Welcome to another episode of the Drama New South Wales podcast. Today we continue to look at our options in regards to studies in drama and theatre, and we look at approaches to acting with Paul Eastway. Paul is an experienced performer and drama educator, and he talks to us today about what it means to unpack the rubric, look at teaching and studying this unit of work, and how to write essays that are meaningful for it. We hope that it's beneficial to both students and teachers alike. So sit back, relax, and enjoy learning from Paul Eastway. All right, on today's episode, we have Paul Eastway joining us. Paul began his theatre career by training at Theatre Nepean in the 1990s. For many years, he was a member of the physical theatre company Chrome, performing throughout Europe, North America, and Asia. In the late 1990s, Paul was made an associate artist with the Bell Shakespeare Company and worked as an actor with the company for over a decade. Paul began his teaching career at St Andrews Cathedral School, where he was mentored by Jane Simmons. Since 2013, Paul has worked at Shaw School, where he is currently the head of creative performance. Welcome, Paul. Thank you for having me. So, Paul, you're on here today to talk about approaches to acting. Uh, I think, I believe this is quite a popular topic uh, for the HSC with a lot of schools choosing it. Yeah. How would you describe what this unit is about? Uh, Look, as the rubric says, it's essentially about actor training methods. Um, So we look at the way that uh, different ideas, different philosophies about what theatre is, um, about what theatre can be, what theatre should be, uh, about how those different ideas and philosophies become training methodologies. So how those philosophies essentially are turned into practices and then how actors are trained from there. Mm. So what do you think then is the appeal of doing this unit of work? Because we're not necessarily looking at plays. Um, As you say, we're looking at philosophies of acting and then the practical um, outworkings of that. So what would you say is the appeal of this for both teachers and students? Well, I think exactly as you sort of said, the fact that we're not dealing with the plays really opens the topic up um, to student creativity. Um, Not that plays um, limit that, but... Uh, This is more of, I guess, a a blank canvas for kids. I guess the open way in which both teachers and students can explore and experiment within this topic uh, is quite appealing. Uh, The way that we look at, you know, how a particular practitioner has a philosophy and then they train actors and from there the actors go out and create theatre. We we try and mirror that process. So the students themselves are creating their own theatre, theatre that... Um, hasn't been created yet. They're not limited by plot, by character. Um, and so in that way, it's I guess it's sort of exciting and dynamic in that you don't know where you're going to end up each year when you start teaching it. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I guess it's kind of like... Um you could say to your students, it's like going to acting school. You're learning these philosophies and practices and then you're the ones who have the power to be practitioners in that in that yeah. realm. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great way of looking at it. And I guess also that idea that it exposes kids to the notion that there's not one approach to training an actor. Um, I, I guess, you know, certainly when I went to acting school, it was dominated by that Stanislavski type uh mm-hmm. training that idea of, of of realism and you know even though we were introduced to other things as well it always felt like okay now it's time to get serious and let's look at realism and, and <laughs> you know the, the seven questions and, and and learn how to act you know what i've learned since 
acting school is that that's you know that's one particular approach and there are there are many different just as valuable and the best thing you can do is expose an actor or an artist to as many different approaches and let them choose what works for you what can you take from that particular approach and so that's what's exciting exactly as you say that kids feel like they're doing training themselves and they, they can apply this the other great reason for choosing this topic is that students can apply this to their IPs. Students can apply mm. this to their group performance when they hit that in term two. Yeah, I never thought about it in regards to that, but I guess it is giving you exactly what you need for different approaches to your individual performance or your group yes. performance. Yeah. yeah ties in nicely. Um, I might just read the rubric so yeah. that anyone listening has a clear idea of it. Uh, the rubric says this topic explores approaches to actor training in the 20th century and its realisation in theatre production or other forms of drama performance. The study involves the theoretical and experiential exploration of the philosophical and practical approaches to two practitioners' works and the manifestation of their techniques process and specific exercises for performance. Students must consider the aesthetics and expression of the actor's presence and its relationship to audience engagement. Specific examples from the practitioner's theatre works, contemporary theatre practice, and the student's own experiential learning should be used to explore the topic. Now, there's a lot in there. And there's in, a lot. <laughs> in particular, I think people hearing it for the first time would think there's a lot of, uh, you know, equal words in there, philosophical, yep. experiential, yep. <laughs> um, those kinds of things. Uh, yep. What are the really important things to consider from this rubric? Okay, so if I had to try and boil it down, it's the main things to keep in mind, uh, we're talking about actor training, first and foremost. Uh, we do look at how that results in performance and it must be considered how this ends up on the stage, but essentially we're talking about training methods. Uh, and, and the way that they lead to a particular aesthetic, and that word is used in, in the rubric. In other words, you know, the kids are easily able to identify what is a Brechtian aesthetic if they've studied mm. that, or what might realism look like. So you need to understand whichever two practitioners you choose, ultimately, what does that look like on a stage? But that can be a little bit tricky. Um, because someone like Jacques Lecoq, for example, said, I have no style to propose, mm. but it's dominated by, I guess, by a, a physical approach to work. So you would expect to see the result of his training would be a, a physical type of theatre, I guess. Uh, Boal, for example, is another practitioner in there that we look at. Uh, you know, his theatre training, if you like, is, is the theatre of the oppressed and trying to help people overcome oppression in their lives. So what does that look like? What is the ultimate aesthetic of that? It would be, you know, an audience that is actively engaged in the making of theatre. Mm. So you need to understand the training methods and the purpose, uh, the philosophy, I guess, behind those training methods. The way I try and break it down for my kids is, look, know the overarching philosophy of each practitioner mm. and then know how they put that into practice. So what are the tools? So if Lecoq wants a physical, if he believes that theatre is primarily physical and the physical is the most effective way to communicate to an audience, what practically does he do in his training school? He uses a neutral mask. Uh, his actors mime and identify objects. Um, so understanding the link, I guess, between the philosophy and the practice in that rubric and then how that manifest, manifests itself uh, on stage. Yeah, great. So it's it's kind of 
students are making sure that they not only understand, you know, the academic kind of side of it with the, the, the philosophy and the readings that they have to do in regards to that, yeah. but also then the very practical aspect of putting that into practice. So they have to have a real and tangible um, understanding of what that looks like in practice. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and so just being able to make those connections um, and, and even then, you know, that each technique itself, each practical technique that these philosophers, uh, sorry, these practitioners have come up with, they have their own philosophy that you can mm -hmm. drill down as well. So even we might talk about, I'll go back to Lecoq as an example of having an overarching philosophy of the importance of the body. He then might, we then might start to look at something like neutrality and the neutral mask as a tool, but there's a philosophy behind neutrality. It's different to a philosophy behind mime and identification, for example. So really drilling down in each section to on what is the philosophy, what it, why, why is this important, uh, and then what practical exercises are done in order to realise that philosophy on stage. Mm. So given all of that, how do you approach teaching this? Do you do like a crash course in your two practitioners and then go, okay, go out and create work? Or what is it that you do in your classroom in how you teach this? Um, look, I'll talk you through, I guess, what, what we do or how I approach it. And I wouldn't want, you know, to limit anyone uh, because these are such open areas that, you know, mm. you can be incredibly creative. I approach each practitioner separately. So we start with sort of teaching uh, Jacques Lecoq and then move on to Boal. We look at the philosophy first. We give an overarching um, impression of their work and what they believe. Uh, and then, yeah, when you get to the, the practical, we the kids get to experience that actor training that we spoke of earlier. We try to mirror, I guess, the specific processes. That's also a word that appears in the rubric of the training schools. They are structured in a particular way um, and for a reason if that makes sense. So Lecoq, mm. for example, starts in, with silence and play and develops from there, doesn't introduce text really until the second year. So we try and mirror that over, you know, four weeks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then similarly with Boal, we try and mirror that idea of games and exercises as a way to form an artistic communion uh, and then move on to some image theatre before going into forum theatres. So we try and mimic the process mm. of each practitioner in teaching it but certainly um, giving as many opportunities as possible for the kids to be able to explore practically and to create. We really leave both practitioners open at the end to do a little bit of devising. So take the tools now that you've learned from Jacques Lecoq and create a piece of contemporary theatre. Take the tools now from Boal and create your own piece of forum theatre. Mm. Um, and that's really important as well because that becomes, as you know, the, the basis of their, their essay, their experiential yeah. learning. That kind of leads on to the next question I wanted to ask. That, that um, final part of the rubric where it says specific examples from the practitioner's theatre works, contemporary theatre practice, and the student's own experiential learning should be used to explore the topic. So I understand that you've just explored how students would have their own experiential learning. But what do you kind of show or do about the practitioners' theatre works themselves and then the contemporary theatre practice? Yeah, um, it's a really great question because that word contemporary, which does come up sometimes in essay questions um, and certainly in the rubric, you know, that, that I guess the topic was introduced many years ago and yeah. probably what was contemporary then is, is not necessarily now what we would define as contemporary. 
Um, and so that is a, a moving um, idea. We look at the work that the students create. One way we approach is the work that they end up creating is a form of contemporary theatre. And what's probably important for the students and teachers to understand is that the actor training exercises aren't theatre, if that makes sense. They are mm -hmm. trained. So when kids are talking about a piece of theatre, or you, as you're saying in the rubric, give us an example from contemporary theatre practice, a training exercise is not theatre. Does that make sense? Yes. It's, it's the training to create, ultimately create a piece of theatre. So what we say is, is by giving them that time at the end to take those training exercises and then go and create a piece of theatre, that is a piece of contemporary theatre that they've used. Um, and even though for most of the practitioners, you know, well, I think they're all passed away now uh, and their work is no longer um, being done, the work of their students or, or um, people who have taken up their work is being done. You, and you can find contemporary theatre practice out there. Uh, even for someone like Meyerhold, you know, when I was looking into that last year, I think uh, there's a company, Proper, Proper Job Theatre, it might have been called, who were using biomechanics and etudes to create a, uh, to work on a Martin Crimp play, Fewer Emergencies, it might have been called. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they, they're applying those processes to contemporary theatre. Certainly for Jacques Lecoq, you know, the work of Théâtre de Complicité yeah. um, is still out there. And, you know, Simon McBurney is still creating amazing theatre that they can look at. Um, for Boal, Milk Crate Theatre here in Sydney works with the Theatre of the Oppressed. Cardboard Citizens UK, um, New York Theatre of the Oppressed. There are so many examples out there of Boal's work in practice. So you can find that contemporary theatre practice. But I think it's also important that students and teachers recognise that the work that students do, if they're creating theatre from the training exercises, is contemporary theatre. Okay, so that does, it can be categorised when it says contemporary theatre practice and the students' own experiential learning. Essentially, that could be one thing in and of itself. Yeah, look, I, 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 wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't certainly take that as, as, as gospel and say, great, we don't, we ignore the wider research into theatre companies that are out there. But um, I think it's important that students do find contemporary practice that's being done by theatre companies around the world and use that as evidence. Yeah. But certainly if they're thinking about, you know, this is a piece of contemporary theatre we created as well, you know, that, that they, they certainly can write about it like that, correct? Yeah, and I guess it comes back to the idea that you're equipping them to be practitioners almost in and of themselves by learning these uh, activities. So it's kind of like saying, well, you know, you can be categorised as making contemporary theatre practice yourself. You don't have to be famous. Uh, right. It is still in and of itself a piece of theatre that you've created in this contemporary world. That's exactly right. And, you know, if, if they are, um, you know, doing it well, uh, they will be at the forefront of theatrical creation. And that, that's exactly what we want, that these, these kids are armed to go out and, and change uh, uh, theatre or challenge um, traditional theatre methods. Mm. So how do you approach the writing for this unit of work? There's, it seems like there's a lot of things in here that students kind of need to address uh, year by year in their answers in the essays. How do you yeah. approach that with your students I think we really do focus in on, you know, the, the heart of any drama essay, regardless of the topic, is that practical, um, that experiential learning from the classroom. So we really make sure they've, they've thought deeply about that, that it, they're not just 
describing it, this is what we attempt to do anyway, that they're not just simply describing it, but analysing um, the work that they've done in the classroom and linking it back and making connections between, okay, so this is what I experienced when I did that particular exercise. And I guess with this topic, so, you know, if, if that's what I experienced when I did that exercise, not only how does that link back to the philosophy of the practitioner, um, but how would that ultimately end up in a performance as a training exercise? If I were to train in this way for two years, for example, mm. I would become this style of actor or this is, um, you know, this is how this would manifest on stage. And also that idea that they have to think about in their writing, what would the experience for the audience be in watching that piece of theatre? Mm. So it's not just stopping it, okay, we you know, we did this particular exercise in class and wasn't that great. We did this particular exercise in class. Um, this is how this would manifest itself in a piece of theatre and ultimately the audience would experience this. Mm. Uh, I'm sorry, it's quite vague in general, but those are the connections we try and get them to focus on. Yeah, that kind of through line that it doesn't... That through line, absolutely. It's not just the exercises, but there is a through line. There's always an intent there that has to go through. That's right, exactly. And which is why it is, you know, there's a lot in this topic. It's incredibly rewarding, but there is a lot in that topic, that idea. So, you know, we, we say to them, if you can articulate the philosophy, identify the practical training tool that has, um, is used to try and realise that philosophy, go into your own experience and, and spend the majority of time writing and unpacking that experience and creating that evocative experience for the reader Take me into that training exercise. Take me, take me into your experience as an actor uh, and then make those links back, those links back to not only does that, you know, show that there's any merit or worth to that particular philosophy, but then how would an audience experience that, that style of theatre and what would they get from that? Yeah. So on that, what do you think? I mean, you're an experienced marker, senior marker in this area. What do you think the most common mistake is that students make, even just from marking your own classes, in responding to the essays for this unit of work? And how could they avoid making those mistakes in the future? Um, the biggest one is probably, once again, the same for all topic areas. It's that idea of being willing to directly respond to the question. We still mm. you know, get a lot of students who've done their study, that they can write really well about their experience, but they just aren't willing on the day to grapple with the question that's been asked. So that is the big thing. Um, and just encouraging students to be confident in your knowledge, be confident uh, in your preparation for being able to write about your experiences uh, and Therefore, be willing to grapple with the question that's put forward to you. As I spoke about earlier, seeing training as performance uh, sometimes is a bit of a mistake. So mm -hmm. talking about, for example, the neutral mask uh, in Lecoq's training, that's not theatre, it's not a performance. So the audience response to that isn't um, a theatrical audience's response. Does that make sense? If you're watching yeah, a class it can't necessarily be used as evidence for, you know, in in theatre, this is how an audience responded. In the exactly. workshop and yeah, training, exactly. this is how the actors responded. But, yeah. Precisely, exactly. Yeah. So, so you can observe a training exercise and see how that might result in theatre, but just making sure that you understand that's not theatre. Where does that end up? How does that become theatre? Um, 
and what else would there be? I guess um, perhaps not making those links we spoke about earlier too between the evidence that they've put down and, and the point that they've make uh, that they're making. Mm. Um, quite often, that idea of simply just telling us everything they've done in class without attempting to um, make that link that that's so what that we often ask as when we're marking an essay. So what? Why are you telling me this? Yeah. Um, that would probably be the big tips that I'd say. Make sure you're doing those things. And like, I guess, like any area, it's that idea that they might start forming actually quite a mature and amazing response to a question, but they leave it too early. They they start making the point and then they leave that point just sitting there yeah. on the paper. They don't actually take it through to linking it to that question and grappling with the ideas within the question itself. That's right. That's right. And just, you know, as I say, you know, have the courage that you have the knowledge you've studied, you've done your work. And we always get that question too about, you know, preparing versus prepared response. And that idea of being prepared as opposed to preparing a response, you can be very prepared. You can, there's nothing wrong with um, preparing for how you're going to describe a moment on the stage, but it's that idea of then be flexible in in adapting that knowledge to the question. Mm. Do you get your students to um, keep a, a logbook or reflections as they go through this? Because I imagine, I mean, like any unit, you need to be able to recall what it is that you've done and experienced in that moment. But I imagine in particular with this one, you need to be incredibly present in those um, workshops and uh, actor training in order to fully understand the philosophy and the outworking of it. How do you get your students to kind of remember what it is that they've done in those times? Um, you know, you're spot on. It's uh, we do use a logbook still. Um, we're exploring different platforms for them to record that as well. But it is that that key aspect of once, you, as soon as you finish that exercise, you go home that night and you write it up and you remember in as much detail as you can. We talk about the fact that yes, there are prescribed texts for this topic, but essentially you are writing your own textbook because those texts that we that are on the on the list don't contain your experience. And the only place that's going to be recorded is if you write that down. And the only way it's going to be effective is if you write it down soon after doing it, because you're not going to remember in six months what it felt like Mm. in that mutual mask exercise or in the piece of forum theatre, whatever it might be. Mm. Um, So, yeah, it's a really important part of that is is that that recording of the process and recording immediately of, of their response to it. And I guess that a group discussion is quite worthwhile in this if I'm just thinking about students studying for the HSC later on down the track, you know, it's almost three terms later, all it is Mm. three terms later, they're trying to write about it. Yeah. Um, Discussing this with your peers as well would be incredibly helpful in regards to bringing and bringing up that moment again and reliving those moments and talking about the theatre that you created together um, as you put those philosophies into practice. Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, You know, I know myself, whenever we sit down, I'll sit down with a student who's, you know, going over an essay or revising the topic or whatever, and and you're right in, in just speaking about it. It um, sheds new light on it or, or reminds us what we did. And so that's, yeah, I think that's really a valuable way of doing it. Don't just think I've got to sit by myself in a room and, and write my notes and write my essays um, over and over and over again. But just, yeah, sit in a group and discuss, go, go back over that, clarify those moments with the people that were there and discuss what you saw. And you'll find by simply uh, articulating yourself the experience that that's, um, yeah, it's a great way of re- revising and remembering. Mm. 
Uh, on a completely different note, I think for those teachers out there who are considering perhaps doing approaches to acting who haven't taught it before, yeah. I know myself I've been thinking about the fact that this unit allows you to teach for a while. And in 2020, yeah. <laughs> in this day and age, yeah. what better practitioner to be kind of engaging with and equipping Absolutely. our students with to see how social reform can actually occur um, and understanding of the oppression of others can occur through mm. theatre and through this philosophy. Have you had real breakthrough moments with students as you've taught for a while? Oh, absolutely. And I think the key there to something we discovered very early on, you know, back in St Andrews when I was teaching with Jane Simmons and, you know, we found that the work needs to relate to the kids. Uh, the whole point of Forum Theatre is that if it's not something that means a great deal to the participants, to the, the spect actors, as Boal called them themselves, mm. they won't get involved. They won't change the world through theatre. So there's no point. We, we can study theoretically how Boal's Forum Theatre, for example, may have been used to help Brazilian coffee growers who were being exploited. But if we put on a piece of Forum Theatre exploring the exploitation of Brazilian coffee growers, the kids aren't going to hop up. They might hop up because they think, oh, this, you know, this is an exercising class I need to do. Yeah. But there's not going to be that dynamic desire to hop up. Whereas when we let them voice their um, oppressions uh, and the things that are they don't feel they have a voice in in society. So, you know, sometimes we explore things like, you know, there might be body image or peer pressure, these sorts of ideas. It no longer becomes a lesson on Boal but it becomes a piece of forum theatre for them to actually mm. engage, you know, in finding solutions to their issues. It's, it's so relevant. Yeah, um, and, it, and it gives them that moment of understanding how powerful theatre can be in that regard. Absolutely, absolutely. Mm. And so, you know, for anyone who is thinking of teaching it, I would say just trust that. You know, yes, you have to guide them sometimes and say, you know what, that's actually not really an oppression. That's a bit of a first world problem. Perhaps look yeah. at another issue. But when they do hit on something, trust their voice, trust them, as long as they're following the philosophies and the practices, uh, and, you know, there are rules to those sorts of games, if you like, then trust the kids. And, and it's so exciting to watch them create that style of theatre. And mm. as you say, you know, how very important that we're arming kids in this, in this modern world with these tools to yeah. go and change the world. Completely. And I think they're craving that. You know, students these days, they're a different generation. They want theatre that isn't just sitting in a comfy um, auditorium watching something that you can be distanced from. They want yeah. real change. Absolutely. And I say the same sort of thing with, you know, the other practitioners as well who might not even have, um, have broken down that, that traditional barrier between actor and audience. You know, even then, the, the fact the kids create their own theatre by, by applying these... Um, philosophies is so exciting for them they feel like artists mm. um, and it all comes from that idea that students most of these practitioners believe that the students have the answer that um, I think it was Lecoq that said you know I'm simply a point through which you must pass I don't have the answers mm. uh, I'm simply here to show you some ways to find your own creativity your own voice so I think if you're going to teach it you can't ignore that you can't limit the students by telling them you have to present them with, um, you know, the toolkit and then say, off you go. 
and understanding you're not the font of all wisdom, but that there might be breakthroughs or understandings about these philosophies that you may not have even considered yourself once you have engaged and and really on topic students they might yeah. be discovering things themselves absolutely and you know there's been moments over the years of of um performances uh you know it may, it may have been the same piece of text that's been you know we might have used uh uh you know women of troy a few times one year one particular group will do a piece that will simply take your breath away there yeah. you go you know, the power of that of that style of theater whatever it might be mm. Yeah. Um, finally, do you have any resources or recommendations for things that people should definitely check out if they're teaching or studying this topic? Uh, I teach Le Coq and Boal, so I haven't dug that deeply into um, uh, my Holden Gotowski. The Obviously, the books on the list are essentials. Yeah. Um, and... I think with the Lecoq one, they changed a few years ago from almost a biography uh, to his own um, writings. And even though that's, that sometimes could be a little dense to un unpack that French poetic voice that he has, <laughs> you have to read things a few times going, what is he talking about? But that's an incredibly valuable um, resource. From there, you know, I guess it's just a case of digging um, on the internet, um, finding these contemporary theatre companies. Most of them have um, links to uh, either actors themselves or, or, you know, certainly in the case of the Theatre of the Oppressed work, you can get testimonials from people yeah. um, who have taken part in those workshops and that, that's evidence. You know, when you hear someone from Milk Crate Theatre or Cardboard Citizens talking about the impact that that's had on their lives, that's evidence. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today, Paul. Um, I know that the drama community out there very much appreciates your willingness to kind of explore this topic for us. You're welcome. All right, thank you. Thanks, Sonia. And there you have it, another episode from Drama New South Wales. We hope you're enjoying this series and thank you to everybody who's been in touch and given us ideas about what we could explore in the future. We have many things to come from this Drama New South Wales.